This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. Today's teaching text comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. Would you please stand if you are able for the reading of God's word? Now for the matters you wrote about, it is not good for a man to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. And in the same way, the husband does not have the authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other of other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows. I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Pastor John, and I have the privilege of serving this church as your lead pastor, and it's a joy and it's a privilege for me to do so. Uh, We're going to talk about singleness today, okay? And you may be here thinking, um, I have a ring on my finger. I have a spouse who sleeps in the same bed as me. Life is good. I knew we should have skipped this week. Uh, We should not have come to church this week. Um, I would say relax. This applies to you too. Okay? This applies to you too. From the people you interact with and you are called to love, maybe you're called to counsel singles, to the reality that someday you may be single again. This applies to you. Just like Matt's message two weeks ago, if you were here, Matt Meckes shared a sermon on the topic of marriage. He's one of our teaching elders here. Um, Shared a sermon on the topic of marriage. Very great sermon. If you weren't here for that, um, you can check that out either on our YouTube page or on our Facebook page or on our Spotify page. Just like that message two weeks ago, was for singles. 
as well. This, too, is for you. Did you know that nearly 50% of U.S. adults are single? Nearly 50% of U.S. adults are single. That adds up to about 126-plus million people who are adults are single in the United States today. Um, this year, on the first Wednesday of each month, I spend some time at Fountain View, um, worshiping with a community that can easily be overlooked. Okay? And there are probably 14 single ladies and one single man that I was teaching with um, uh, on Wednesday, or that I was teaching and worshiping with. And the average age in the room was around 90 years old. And I just love it, because that's like my speed. I'm like, yes, I feel right at home. I went in there Wednesday with one singular focus, to do everything I could to convince them that they have just as much intrinsic worth today at 90 plus years old, many of them, than they did in their prime of life. That their intrinsic worth is not based simply on what they can produce or what they can do, but more than that, it is based on the image of God which he has graciously placed on all of humanity. And so I spent the next 15 to 20 minutes in teaching, doing everything I could in preaching with every fiber of my being, that they would understand that their intrinsic worth is so great and that they have so much to be thankful for and to thank God that they are alive and living. Now to my single ladies and fellas today, I want you to know as well that the worth and dignity that you have is just as high as the married couple who may be a row or two in front of you or behind you. You have great intrinsic worth. God has plans for your life. You have purpose and dignity. And that is the truth. He has placed his image on you, and although that image may be altered since the fall of mankind due to sin, he has given you unimaginable worth and dignity in his divine plan. After I preached um, with every fiber of my being to those 15 senior adults, I kind of moved the pulpit out of the way and I pulled up a chair and I just sat at it and I said, um, give me any question you have as it pertains to God and the scriptures. And I had to wake the gentleman up, the one single guy up, because I put him to sleep with my teaching, which you guys know all too well. Um, and, one, and one lady piped up and, and asked a question that was powerful. That's kind of what Paul is doing here in 1 Corinthians, in this first letter to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians is not so much a composed work of theology as it is Paul answering a bunch of questions the Corinthians were asking him. You might have caught it as we read it this morning in just the first verse in 1 Corinthians 7. It, it read like this, Now for the matters you wrote about, Paul said, 
Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. So they were writing to Paul, and this was one of the topics in which they wrote about, and it was a big topic to the Corinthian church at this time. There was obviously a group of Corinthians who were probably allowing the pendulum to go the complete other way that they were witnessing in the culture they were living in. The Corinthian church had a sexual deviance problem. It seemed like everyone was sleeping with everyone, even in the family. In your own family, some wicked things were happening sexually. And so what happens sometimes in cultures, and we see this today in our culture, is if we see the pendulum shifting this far this way, we want to bring it the entire other way and just shift that thing exact opposite. And so that's what it sounds like according to this text and according to the matters that the Corinthians were writing to Paul about what, what was happening, where they said, okay, hey, maybe the Jesus life means no sex. Maybe the Jesus life means abstain, 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 no marriage, no sex, like let's just abstain. Oftentimes when the culture seems radical, the temptation is to have the pendulum go from one extreme to the other. But Paul here is going to correct that. He's going to, through the Spirit of God, give some insight on what God would have them do. And even in some areas, Paul says, listen, these are not commands. These are concessions I'm giving you. So you have to be able to read that and do with it as you ought. But some of the ancient opinions on marriage that I was reading about throughout this week could be summed up into three main buckets. The first bucket is marriage and procreation are vital for all who are physically capable of it. Okay, it's very important. We need society to continue to grow and flourish, be fruitful and multiply. This is important. That was a majority view. The second big bucket view was marriage is a distraction and should never be undertaken by the wise man except in the rare instances where one might find a spouse equally devoted to the philosophic lifestyle as they are. That was a second main view in the ancient times. And then thirdly, marriage is good for most people, but one must make exceptions for those too committed to other spiritual pursuits to take time for it. And it seems like, according to scholars who I've read, that Paul is specifically speaking into those second and third big bucket views here in 1 Corinthians 7. So let's read again. I want to read 1 Corinthians 7, 8 and 9, follow along, and then we're going to jump down to verses 32 through 35, and I'm going to talk to singles. Verse 8 says in 1 Corinthians 7, Now to the unmarried and widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. A lot of thoughts on why Paul would say that. One major thought is there was great persecution to Christians at this time under the emperor Nero, okay? And that maybe at this time it was not best to go and start a family, okay? That is one major thought. But if they cannot control themselves, Paul says, 
they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Jumping down to verse 32. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. We're going to talk about some countercultural statements, and really, I'm going to bring one up here today. Some countercultural statements. Singleness, hear me out, is not inferior to marriage, and it actually has its advantages. The married people in the room are like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Sounds good sometimes, right? No. <laughs> Singles, hear me out. Contrary to popular Christian belief, singleness has its advantages. It's not a second-class calling or lifestyle. Paul here, as a single man writing this, is saying, listen, for some of you, I would wish that you would remain single for the sake of the advancement of the gospel. That you would continue in that and give yourself fully to that in your devotion. Marriage, it's important just before we continue, marriage is to be honored. Paul tells the Thessalonian church, he says, listen, marriage is to be honored. And we know in the creation narrative, it was not good for what? For man to be alone. And so I, I do not want to poo-poo on marriage in my hope to uplift singles, but the reality is it is both a gift to be married and it is both a gift to be single. And if you're single, congratulations. Currently in this season of life, that's the gift you have. And you need to do everything you can to embrace that. And if you're married, congratulations. That is the gift you have. And you need to do everything you can in your power and strength to embrace that, to care for your wife or your husband and to care for your family, but to also be devoted to the Lord as well. Too often in the church, especially, I think we give special concessions towards those who are married and we often overlook the singles in our church. Personally, in my life, I felt it wasn't until I was married that I wasn't even going to be considered for a ministry position in a church or a parachurch ministry. It was almost as if no one was even going to consider that as a single young man. It was almost as soon as I got married, and this is no joke, that interviews began to take place. Positions all of a sudden became available, and I felt like I was being taken seriously as a minister of the gospel. And as I was studying this text and topic, I couldn't help but to think to myself, who in our church is possibly being treated like that in some way, who is single? They're not being taken seriously, although they have the gifts that they have. I know Connor, 
our young adults director, meets regularly with two single young men who have a passion for tech and production. Not only are they young men who are maturing in their faith, but they're also young men who have more time to commit to tech and production than a lot of us. Singles, hear me out. The time is now to develop the gifts that the Lord has given you for his kingdom and glory. The time is now. And please hear me clear, if you feel like you are capable and able and equipped to lead in a certain capacity, but you have been not, um, you've been overlooked or you haven't been given the green light, let's talk about it. And I'll be real, for, for some singles, it's just not time. It might not have to do with your singleness, you still might have some spiritual development that needs to take place. But for others of you, we may be overlooking you. And that would be wrong in our part. And to that, I would say, I'm sorry. There is also some wisdom, especially when it comes to pastoral ministry, and some could even say um, the role of elder, where it is really beneficial for an elder to be married or at least have been married for some time. When it comes to the counseling, the care for people, oftentimes you're interacting with married people and you have that season. You, you know what that is like, at least to a certain degree. So there is some wisdom in that. I'm at the stage in my, in my mid-30s where I'm starting to do old man things. And it's, it's really been an interesting season. It's like, you're not there yet, but boy, I'm like, I'm, I'm starting to see some of the signs and the fruit of that in my life. And so um, this past Tuesday, our, our worship um, director, one of our worship directors, um, Frank, was in the living room. We were in the living room talking, and it was Tuesday night. And I, and I pulled out my phone. I go, man, I go, I got some great songs that I've written recorded and they're unreleased. I said, and they're like, there's some pretty cool Christian concepts here. And I'm going through the library of them. They're on my Google Drive account. And every once in a while, I just pull them out. And I'm like, these could be hit worship songs if we just transition them to that style of music. Like, what do you think about getting together sometime? And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. You might be asking, Pastor John, how in the world do you have unreleased songs in so many of them because when I was single I had time to do that kind of stuff I had a lot of it some of you single uh, men and women you remember when you had a hobby you remember what that felt like right and so when I was single I felt like I was writing music every single week writing recording i was actually going to my pastor's house who was married who didn't have time to hang out with us but he gave us a key to his house and said here you can go in the studio anytime you single boys want and we would go to the studio and work on music for hours at end and now you might be asking well why is the music still unreleased because me and my buddy who i wrote music with both got married and our new passion became our wives right that became the new singular focus of us. It was like, I don't need to write the Song of Solomon. Now I can live it, right? I can just be there with my bride and enjoy her and enjoy time that we have on this earth together. 
But the point is, when you are single, hear me out, you have advantages that some of us married folk don't have. You can spend more time. I'll tell you that there were times in my life as a married man where I was going off on trips and and spending time with senior uh, high school students, seniors, juniors, especially in high school and going off for seven days, eight days, nine days to Florida and, and all kinds of cool places doing missional things. But I kept thinking to myself as I was leaving and I had a little girl about six months, nine months, a year old. I kept thinking, oh, this would, this stinks in one degree. I wanna be with my family. Like, I just want to be with my wife. I want to be with my daughter. Like, I'm going to come back in nine days and she's barely going to recognize me again. Those were thoughts that went in my mind. But hear me out. If you're single, that's the time to do it. To enjoy that. To be gone and you're just gone. And you can enjoy that. We have some singles currently on a a mission trip right now in Guatemala and also some married folk who are with them. Guatemala. Enjoy that. You might be asking, how can I truly live devoted to the Lord fully? Maybe right now you're single and your passion to be married is actually greater than your passion to serve Christ. What I would say to that is, if your passion to be married is greater than your passion to serve Christ, then if you do end up getting married, you're gonna treat your spouse like an idol. You're gonna treat your spouse and put her at a level or put him at a level that they were never created to be at. So if we can't be content in our relationship first and foremost with Christ, then when we find the right person, and we put them in a position, we actually put them in a position they were never created to be in. And in terms, we we can destroy them in that. We must be very careful. Singles, you need to enjoy the single life. Develop those gifts and passions that the Lord has given you. Step up and step out. Outside of Jesus, we have Paul who is single, Jeremiah who is single, Ruth, for a season, we did a series about a year and a half, two years ago, was single, John the Baptist was single, Anna was single, to name a few. They live faithful, single lives unto the glory of God. Now I wanna spend 10 minutes or so on the next part of this. Um, For the singles in the room or for the singles who may be watching, who may be saying, yes, I'm all in on being single, but I don't feel called to celibacy in a single life forever. I do not feel called to that forever. So what does that look like? Well, we're gonna talk about it. So what I wanna spend a little bit of time talking about is the preparation for marriage as a single person. Let me pose to you a primary question and then I'm gonna pose a few secondary questions under the primary question. The primary question is this, am I prepared for marriage? Am I prepared for marriage? Could have also worded the question, am I preparing for marriage? Either way, what are some signs of single people who are prepared for marriage? The first thing I'll mention is this. Are you going to commit to being a one-man woman or a one-woman man? Is that going to be a commitment that you're going to make? 
We live in a culture that says you are free to live in the joy of your own sexual fantasy as long as you're not harming anyone. And that's a bold-faced lie. The average number of sexual partners for the average person in the United States is a little bit over seven. Seven. And that may be a conservative number. I did some research and it seemed like some were seven, some were saying as high as 12, somewhere in that range for the number of sexual partners that a person has in the U.S. on average. If you're looking to get married, do your future spouse a favor and just repent now and turn away from such a lifestyle. And there's freedom in Christ. Sexual sin is not only an affront against God, but it is an attack against yourself. You might say, well, we were dating for a year, then we started having sex because we were in love. According to the scriptures, that doesn't make it any less of a violation. Sex is for the marriage bed alone. So until you are ready to commit to being a one-man woman or a one-woman man, you should not even consider dating or courting a person of the opposite sex. I wanna be very clear also on that note, marriage is not the antidote to your porn addiction. For those who are addicted to pornography, marriage is not going to fix that like that. It just doesn't work like that. If you are trapped in a porn addiction, you need deeper intimacy with Jesus, not necessarily someone of the opposite sex. The statistics are so alarming on this topic I, I was going to throw some up there, but if you're a man, your future wife isn't going to be the cure of this. And if you're a woman, your future husband isn't going to be the end-all, be-all cure. It must happen at the foot of the cross. Secondly, are you ready to live outside of yourself? And the second question underneath the am I prepared for marriage? Are you ready to live outside of yourself? Paul said in marriage, the man is thinking about how can I serve my wife? And the woman is thinking about how can I serve and take care of my husband? Are you ready for that? For guys, that means you're probably not going to have a living room full of your fold-up hunting chairs as the main pieces of furniture. I don't know if you were what ours look like in the bachelor pad. We had one couch gifted to us and then we had fold up furnitures. Your money's no longer your own. You'll have to spend it on things like furniture. You can't constantly miss the laundry basket without some repercussions, fellas. Like there's gonna be problems there if you're um, just throwing your socks all over the place and your undies and everything. I don't wanna go there. You'll, you'll have to buy things you never knew you needed. If you're a married man, like bed skirts, it's like, what is this? It's a bed skirt? Then we have table skirts. I'm like, I didn't know there was so many skirts in this, in this world. For some of you young men, you're just gonna like, I need a bed frame? Like the bed was great on the ground, it's firm. And now it's like, nope, you need a bed frame, bud. Okay, you're gonna have to think about that. All right, those are honest, honest things. Ladies, you're gonna be ready to live with the guy? It's a different type of aroma um, that you probably aren't used to. It'll grow on you. 
if it's fungal, it will grow on you, literally, but there's going to be some whiskers scattered throughout the bathroom sink. He'll swear that he cleaned them all up, but he definitely did not. Um, he did not clean all of those up. And there will be occasional man colds that you'll have to tend to or at least put up with. Um, but in all seriousness, are you ready to live outside of yourself? Are you ready to be committed in such a way that you're willing to lay your life down for another person? And you're going to have to say no to things that you would normally, as a single person, say yes to. Are you ready for that? You're called to care for one another and just take the romance thing away for a minute. You will have to say no to yourself more and say yes to your spouse. Your finances are not your own. Your hobbies will be limited. Last thought about preparedness. I should say second to last thought. Have you found someone in the Lord this is a big one. Have you found someone in the Lord committed? Verse 39 in 1 Corinthians 7 gives the scenario of a person being free to remarry if a spouse has passed, but it gives one caveat. They must be in the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians seven thirty-nine. Can we stop with the evangel dating thing? Like, but they're, they're such a good person. He's a really nice guy. He treats me well, and he has an established career. Those are three great things. They are important. They're on the list. But if he's not in the Lord, what are you looking to build your marriage on exactly? Or he really loves God. He just doesn't own a Bible, couldn't tell you where the book of Genesis is, and he has no accountability from a local church. Sister, I don't know if he knows the Lord. And this goes for men and women. Men, if she's not serious about serving God, what are you doing? I once had a girl in my early 20s say to me, I want to figure out all of this with you. Take my hand and walk with me through this Christian stuff, she called it. Up until that point, I'm not sure I had any clear revelation from God. No, thank you. It's not what I'm going to do. There are some decisions in life you just can't miss or you shouldn't. And when you're single, Ensuring that you are married to someone in Christ is extremely vital for the rest of your life. There's too much at stake. If Jesus isn't enough for you without me, I can guarantee you I can't compete with him. I make a horrible savior. Seriously, if they're not all about surrendering to Jesus, reconsider, and my word to you would be do not settle. Do not settle. Also, another word of preparation that I'd give you is um, a, a secondary question, I guess you could say, is who are you hanging around in this season? Singles. Who, who are you hanging around if you aspire to marriage? Are you just hanging around the singles? If you're a guy just hanging around the single dudes, have a couple beers and life's good and uh, 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 make coarse jokes. 
young ladies, if you're single, are you just hanging around the single ladies? Talking about how foolish the guys are. My word to you, my word of advice would be get around some married folk. Get around some married people. Attend a marriage conference. Like, that sounds nuts. I, I get it when you're single. Like, I'm going to a marriage conference. No, go. You will learn more and be built up more in that time than just kicking it with your single friends. Have some married people in your life who you can counsel with, talk with, and honestly, for the most part, just watch to see what this is going to look like and what it means to be married. I feel like we often do this, and the church is so bad at this as well. God help us. We put the singles in a room together, and then we put the married folk in a room together. And then we're wondering why the single people aren't ready to be married. Let them kick it together. Married folk, be pouring into some single folk. Single folk, make yourself available to the married people. Let's land the plane, okay? In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus was asked this really complicated question about marriage, okay? It's in Mark chapter, uh, actually, shoot, I forget what, what chapter it's in. Um, but in the Gospel of Mark, there's this question that he's posed with, and they're always trying to trap Jesus, especially the religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, and the such. And, and they ask him, there's this woman who had seven husbands, right? She got married, he died, then got married to another, he died, got married to another. Seven times this crazy scenario took place, which I guess is possible. And then they ask in heaven, whose wife will she be? It's a fair question. Jesus cuts them off and basically tells them they are wrong in their premise because there's no marriage in heaven. Marriage is a temporary illustration of the love of God. It's a good gift that God has given to us on this side of everlasting life. And in the practical sense, you could say it has great means or purposes by which God populates the earth and two sinful people come together in a relationship committed to loving one another. And in that relationship, they display Christ in a beautiful way by people laying their life down for each other as Christ laid down his life for the church. So should the man lay down his life for his bride. And it's this beautiful temporary picture of what it looks like the gospel that is. It's beautiful and it's purposeful. John Piper says this, he says, marriage is a temporary illustration that finally gives way to the relationship to which it was pointing all along, Christ and the church. At which point marriage then fades away, it becomes unnecessary the way you no longer need a picture of someone when you finally see them face to face. Here's the reality. In conclusion, if you are single, enjoy it. Enjoy all that God longs to give you in this season. And if you are in a serious relationship, consider the question 
Am I prepared for marriage? And what am I doing in this relationship? Are we just playing games? Are we just dating to date because it's the thing to do? Or are we bringing this relationship somewhere? Is it going somewhere? And is this person who I'm with, are they prepared as well? And if you're married, enjoy it. Enjoy it. There are people in this room who can speak wisdom to the fact that it goes by quicker than we wished it would sometimes. Love your spouse with everything you have. Enjoy it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gift of seasons. That there is a season for everything, as Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes. And for all of us, we know at some time there was a single, or a season rather, of singleness. And we thank you for that gift. And some people are living within that gift right now and in that season. And sometimes it doesn't feel like a gift. It feels more like a curse. But Father, I pray that they would see that this season that they are in is something special. It's something that you long to use them in, in the benefits of it, the advantages of it. They may never see again once they have a spouse and there will be new challenges in a new season. And Father, I pray for those of us here who are married, I pray that we would long to love and take care of our spouse and meet needs that we are called to meet. And Father, I pray for the person here and the people here who are single, but they're, they're widows or widowers, and they just hurt. And even sermons like this, almost like pouring salt into a wound as they consider their friend, their best friend who is now gone to be with you. Father, I pray that you'd comfort them that you would give them assurance in their heart that they have great, great value and that you long to use them in this season as well. Father, we love you. May your church continue to build one another up. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, we're gonna take communion together. Um, so if you are a believer here this morning, we encourage you to take communion um, with us. Uh, it'll be passed to you in your seat. I'll say this, if you're not a believer, if you're here just checking things out, you haven't given your life to Jesus, uh, we would encourage you to allow the elements to pass you, pass you by, but we're grateful you're here and we'd love to talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks, declaring, this is my body given to you. As often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup after supper and he lifted it up, declaring, this is the blood of the new covenant. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. And then verse 26 here in 1 Corinthians 11 writes, for whenever you eat this bread 
and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This time I'd like to invite the elders up. We will serve you in your seats. You will first be served the bread, and then after everyone is served, we will partake in that together, then the juice. <laughs>